Welcome to Pastor Talk, presented by Grace View Baptist Church in Burleson, Texas. All right, well, we are back. It is Monday, it is 9.30, and it is time for Pastor Talk. Uh, to this today, this week, today, uh, we are going to be doing our internal talk. And so when we first started Pastor Talk a couple weeks ago, I, uh, I talked about how every time we do it, we're going to be kind of bouncing back internal and external, internal and external. And what I mean by that is this, is the very first show that we did, it had all our staff. It was the internal. It was parts of the working parts of, of Graceview Baptist Church. Then two weeks ago, our second episode, we had Denny Burke zooming in from Kentucky, where we talked about biblical manhood and toxic masculinity and just kind of getting an expert in that field to kind of discuss things. Well, this week we have Frank Gantz, who's a member of our church here at Graceview, and uh, we are going to be talking about what happens uh, when a pastor falls, how should a church respond to that, how should Christians think about that, and uh, just kind of work through that thought, because this is a thought that is out there mm -hmm. in a big, big way. Yeah. Um, we see pastors like you know Mark Driscoll, James McDonald. Um, we see uh, we see other pastors who are out there who might not be the big names of those types of guys, but they they have sin issues, and then the church responds and they say, "What are we supposed to do with this?" And so we wanted to talk one, give Frank his opportunity to kind of share his testimony. He's done this with the church before, but we thought it was so good that we wanted to make sure we brought him on the podcast to to talk about that, and then also be able to springboard off of Frank's testimony to kind of discuss um, how the church should respond and think through this deeply. And so, uh, Frank, why don't you just kind of, I'll kick the ball over to you. Okay. Why don't you just kind of take it, tell the people a little bit about yourself, kind of season of life that you're in, and then kind of backtrack into your into your story a little bit. Okay. Uh, Frank Gantz, uh, I am a th now three-year member just about at Graceview. Nice. Uh, it's gone by very quickly. Uh, I, my season of life is that I've gone through kind of the, the lows and the highs. Mm -hmm. uh, was married to a wonderful uh, woman, Susie, who early, early in 2020 uh, went to be with the Lord after a battle with cancer. And one of the great things God did through all that, Aaron, was that um, he showed himself mighty in just the growth and the trust and the faith that Susie demonstrated in those last days. So I'm grateful for the way that happened. Yeah. Um, and then in the process of time, um, I'm actually engaged to be married um, mm -hmm. to a wonderful woman named Cindy. Uh, we're scheduled to get married December 4th, so we're looking forward to that and yeah. to what the Lord has in store for, for me there. Yeah. So that's been, that's been kind of my season of life uh, going through that. Uh, I am a former pastor. I pastored in Germany, in uh, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And while I was in Kentucky, I planted a church in the Louisville area and was doing my PhD work at Southern Seminary, uh, I did stumble and fall, and in a very miserable way. Um, that which I had prayed and prayed would never happen, happened yeah. because of my own sinfulness. And, uh, you know, we, we speak of our enemies being the world, the flesh, and the devil, and all three had a hand in that, but the flesh was the big culprit. Um, you know, it's the most tragic moment of my life uh, when I betrayed my the vows to my wife. Mm. 
and uh, not only hurt her deeply, but hurt my children and the church that I'd planted. I hurt the seminary at a time when the renewal at Southern Seminary was taking place. I am glad it wasn't in the internet age like we live today. Mm. That is, (laughs) that for me is at least a blessing. Yeah. But um, it was it was a difficult time, and I mean, I during that time, I all the education I had kind of prepped for really was not going to be used like I had hoped it would. Mm-hmm. The work in pastoral ministry, at best, was going to take a different turn. Um, I had the job I was holding down. I was working in the seminary library as a night librarian, so I lost that. Uh, so I had to find a job. I did everything from selling knives in Walmarts to selling uh, vacuum cleaners door to door and, yeah. uh, just trying to make ends meet to put food on the table for the family. So it was a, it was a difficult time. And, you know, I went through some, uh, time of, okay, Lord, I, I, I want to be the man you want me to be. I know I've fallen. I know I've sinned. I know you're you're gracious and merciful. And one of my favorite um, words, especially going through the Old Testament, is his steadfast love, mm-hmm. uh, that he still loves and still cares. And I'm grateful for that. And so, you know, immediately I, I went through a church discipline process. I uh, began to strive to be back as far as my being a member of the church, not as pastor. I resigned, stepped down as a pastor, mm-hmm. and um, was just trying to be a Christian man uh, with my family and with my church. Yeah, And, um, and then I went through a uh, kind of a day where I didn't get news that I had hoped I would get, and I fell apart. Mm. Um, and after that, after a while of trying. I was doing some things at the church again. I just, I lost it and, um, I began running mm-hmm. seriously, um, and ended up going through a divorce, um, moving out on my own and, and lived about as pagan a lifestyle as could for a few years. And yet God would occasionally tap me on the shoulder or pull me back a little bit and, until the time when he finally set me down and uh, I became that uh, prodigal coming home. Yeah, yeah. So when you think back on this journey, from the time when you were a pastor to the time that you fell, through this time of restoration, through this time of running, and through this time of, of returning... Did you see that? that wasn't that good? That. that was Man, good. That, that, was, that was Baptist pastor just coming out of nowhere. Man, that was good. All right. So get back on it. I just, I amazed myself in that moment. But uh, when you think through that process, what is it that you see about God's hand, God's sovereignty, God's love, God's grace in your life? Well... It has been a great learning experience through that. I certainly would not recommend anybody go through the steps that I've gone through. Right. But I greatly know more about the grace and mercy of the Lord Mm -hmm. than I ever did before. Mm -hmm. And whenever 
I sing a song or hear a song or read a te- scripture in the text about being helpless and needy, mm. man, I, my hands are up and I, Lord, that's me. Yeah. I need you. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there was a part of me that for so long thought God was getting a pretty good deal. Mm. You know, um, I wouldn't have put that on my um, post or anything, but right. But there was a part of me that probably thought that way, that that pride and ego thing was there, and um, I think God stripped that away. Mm-hmm. And as He has a way of doing when when we present idols, mm-hmm. which had an idol of self, He strips them away. Yeah. So that's hard, mm-hmm. but it's necessary mm-hmm. and it's good. And what I began to see, and even through the death of Susie, began to see that, you know, because there were always those who said, hey, A1, you just got to believe God's going to heal her. And for me, it was, hey, just wake up one morning and act like this never happened because God forgives you. Right. Neither one were good pieces of advice. Mm -hmm. There is that need to... If you're going to dive into the pig pen, you need to wallow there for a bit. Mm. And so that I clearly would come to understand just how filthy I was. And so the good news of that is that when I read passages of Scripture about the two men praying in the temple and the one man beats his breast and says, you know, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I I can relate so much more to that. Yeah. And I believe that's the folks the Lord is looking for mm-hmm. and the ones that he draws near to. And so I've had such sweetness with the Lord so many times and on such a more consistent basis. His word is more, more drawing and living and powerful, and I see... Not so much anymore what steps I need to take for different things. I see the glory of, of the Savior who loved me and died for me, mm-hmm. but who in and of himself is great and glorious and wonderful. And so if, if there's anything that kind of has come through that, I think that's been the one thing I've seen. Lord, I'm poor and needy, and what I need is you. Yeah. And I think that honors the Lord. That's good. So when we look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, the qualifications for overseers, so when we're looking at Scripture and we're seeing this, this word overseer, this can also be translated to elder or pastor. Um, so let's not get hung up on, right. on some terminology here. Um, but it says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of, of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore... An overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. So when we look at this passage, this is a high Absolutely. standard. 
this isn't something that is that is you know anybody could walk in and say, yeah, I'm good. Um, but it's also a standard that takes into account that every elder, every overseer is in the process of sanctification mm-hmm. as well. This is not a a perfection standard, as some people seem to mm-hmm. Im- impose upon it. Um, in fact, in Titus, when when Paul is speaking and he says, "Stay here, put things in order, find men who are already doing these things, who already look like this, and make them make them elders." So there is there is something about the eldership or pastorship that um, there is a standard that we have to we have to strive after. We have there has to be a standard that we that we aspire for, but there also is a standard of where. I'm in the sanctification process. So when you look back at your life and you look at the time of the fall, how how did you go through, um, I don't even know exactly how to phrase this, but how did you go through the mental process of, I'm in the process of sanctification, and did you use that as a justification to continue down the road of sin it, which eventually led to the fall, or were you just like, man, I'm I'm jumping in. This is where my heart desires. This is where I'm going. How did how did that process take place? How did you go from here to here? Well, uh, I was more of the latter as okay. far as just jumping in. Um, I, I I never there was never a kind of well I'm the Lord forgive or the Lord, you know, he'll, he'll keep working with me and stuff like that. In fact, uh, you know, I'm one of those guys who clearly, un- clearly knew that what I was about to do or do or was thinking about mm-hmm. was heinous before God. And I did it anyway, Be- because of the, the power of my flesh that I would, had not subdued in that area um, I, you know, I, I didn't trip into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I, I was not banking on the easy forgivism of the Lord. I knew the consequences if I were exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I, I was, I was just rebellious. Yeah. So now fast forward to the time of everything's out. You said you went through a process of restoration. Um, what did that look like? And, and the reason I want to ask that question is this, is we need as churches to think about how do we restore pastors who have fallen? Because Scripture is very clear that a pastor is, is still a man. He's still a Christian. And scripture is we need to restore a brother gently. We want to come alongside them. We want to be serious about their sin, but we don't want to crush them. We want them to return to their relationship with Jesus, to repent of their sin, and to walk with them. And so how did that process look? And if you were to change something about that process on this backside, what would you have changed? Well, the process in the early days was one in which I did submit to 
church discipline, which in the case of being an elder or the pastor was public. Mm -hmm. So during a church service, you know, charges were read, uh, the sins I'd committed, and I was called to repentance and confession. And, uh, and so I'm grateful for that. You know, for some, it was very hard to, to see. I was grateful for it. Mm. Um, I needed that. And the church uh, walked beside me. Now, I'll be the first to admit the church, there were some missteps. Uh, but it was missteps that I'd put them in a position they shouldn't have had to have dealt with. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't have fault with those involved. In fact, um, I st- still have had you know, some relationship with most of those guys. Uh, and I, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry I ever put them through that. They, they should, I mean, it was a new church. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if they'd have been an established church, they'd have had drawn things out better, but, but you never really anticipate your pastor right. doing this. And so, um, you know, they, they, they loved me best they could. And, uh, and yet in the end, it, you know, things were rolling for a while, and I felt like I was getting my footing back in place. And then, like I said, a, a major disappointment in my life. I, I just sank and ran. Mm-hmm. And at that point, uh, my relationship to the church became uh, less existent and then non-existent, and I was out of the church for a while. So how did you, I know, I know you ran from the, you ran from the Lord. When you got back into church, was there a place of restoration that continued on for you when your story came back out, when you came back? And if there was, what did, it, what did that look like? Well, I was in a different place mm-hmm. uh, geographically. So I, you know, I did, there was not the opportunity for the original church to do anything as far as um, like the discipline process had been. But there were individuals from that church who through the years never gave up and they just kept plugging away. I mean, my dear friend Brian Vickers, who's a New Testament professor at Southern Seminary, would call me almost weekly and say, hey, let's go grab a cup of coffee. And he'd keep urging me. And even when I would, you know, do everything but spit in his face and um, he would listen to me belch um, ungodly things and and but he kept loving me mm. and God really used that and I, I'll say even in those I could see those grace points I mean as a young man when I showed up at a coffee shop most mornings who would get my coffee from years later I end up at a church where he eventually became the one of the elders, not for a long time because he's such such a young guy at the time. Because my fall was twenty four years ago, I, I I think that's important to the story. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but he he told me later on. He said every time I handed you your cup of coffee, I'd say a prayer because mm-hmm. I knew your story. And um, I you know I was in a part of town. I didn't think anybody knew anything about it. So there were those things that God kept doing, and then a big part of the coming back was um, I'd gotten married to Susie. She was not a believer. So that tells you a little bit about 
where I was. And um, one night I, I remember sitting at home and thinking, I know enough to know that if she were to die, she'd go to hell. And that just shook me to my bones. Mm -hmm. And so we started, uh, we started going to a church and, you know, we'd, we'd get there and I, I wouldn't say much about my story and, you know, we'd kind of get into it and I'd back away. That happened three or four times. And I kept backing away until finally we, we moved um, to Boynton Beach, Florida and, and showed up at First Baptist Church, Boynton Beach and walked in, sat on the back row. Wasn't going to tell anybody. I used to be a pastor. Wasn't going to tell anybody there. And I thought, in South Florida, everybody's got a story. You know, everybody's run from something. And so I thought I, that would be a safe place just to sit and back and get back in church. And, um, but God, that's where God really began kind of finalizing the comeback. Yeah. And it was through the, the love of men um, who, who invested in my life and began letting me invest a little bit in theirs and through the preaching of the word and through the teaching of the word. And um, it, was, it was not a dramatic one-day thing, but it was just over a period of time, mm -hmm. uh, just getting back into the scriptures, into the word, on my knees again in prayer. Those basic disciplines were, were huge, huge in my finally getting back to where I felt like I could breathe again as a Christian. Yeah. And I think that what you just landed on is so important because I think that is where Christians and churches need to start when it comes to this issue. Yeah. Is often we think... Well, if we just put more programs in place for this person, if we just have more phone calls, if we just have more text messages, if we just have more um, computer software programs, um, then we're, we're helping that person where ultimately we're pointing them to the strength of themselves, which right. has failed miserably. Absolutely. And the only way that restoration is going to take place in any Christian or any pastor is going to be when we point them back to Jesus. Yes. And we say, look to his grace once again. Put your faith in him once again. It really goes back to a little bit of my sermon from yesterday. Yes, it does. Um, about how we must be a people who continue on um, in the same place where we started, mm -hmm. with our eyes always fixed on Jesus. Yep. And that, I think, is, is, a, is a lost concept in this is we don't want we want to we want to fix them yeah we're, we're not called to fix them right we're called to point them to jesus who fixes them right and i think that that's when it comes to christians and it comes to churches when pastors fall the best thing we can do is say we love you we don't agree with this we're here for you. We want you to look to Jesus again. That's right. And church discipline is part of that. That's, right. That's not to discount church discipline. That, but, but loving church discipline should have in its goal the return to Christ, right. not the beat down of the hammer. Right. And, and I would say too, Aaron, just in keeping with that, the, the looking to Jesus and the return, 
if it's anything more than look returning to Christ, mm-hmm. we're, we're we're making a fatal mistake. Because early on, you know, some of my questions were, and the same questions I see when I hear of somebody today, how long till they can get back being a pastor? How long till they get back? In, uh, wrong question. Mm-hmm. It's not a restoration to the ministry. It's not a restoration to the pastorate. It's a restoration to Jesus. Yeah. That's got to be the starting point. And I know there can be different opinions on how far that can go, but that's got to be the starting point. And there's got to be that, you know, when you read through 1 Timothy 3, there's there's got to be such a walk with Jesus that those things are so evident in mm-hmm. the person's life. Um, and that the, those are the things they're known for. They're known for looking to Jesus. They're known for spending time in the Word. They're known for being a, a man on their knees. Yeah. And um, before anything else can be answered, mm-hmm. that's got to be answered, and uh, which is going to take some time. Yeah, it's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like I said, I'm 24 years down the road, and I can tell you, day one after my fall, I was hoping to to get back. In fact, part of my questioning was. How can I go through this without actually having to resign? I mean, those stupid thoughts were going through my head. Mm. And, um, you know, and, and the further along I've gotten, the more I see that's not the important question. Am I walking with the Lord? And if so, the Lord's going to give me opportunity to mm-hmm. minister. Mm-hmm. And, that I, and as, you know... As that one who's cried out for mercy and keeps crying out for mercy, I'm grateful God lets me open my mouth at all to do anything. Yeah. So here's the let's let's jump into the uh, okay. the, the question of um, can a a fallen pastor come to restoration to a point to where he can go back into full time ministry? Because that that's the that's, that's the, the question, question that everybody wrestles with. Yeah. And we have people who are on one side where it is absolutely not DQ for life. There is no returning. Then we have the other side who almost takes it to the the opposite extreme where it's like, he he, he, he said he was sorry. And so let's put him back in the pulpit yeah. in six months. Yeah. And so where do you, after going through this process um, and learning this, what do you think about, is there a way that God can restore that that man can come back to these standards and a church could look at him and say, yeah, God has restored him and he does meet this now. He has gone through this process. So is that is that even a possibility in your mind? Well, I, I tell you, I've been all over the spectrum in these 24 years with that. And uh, I lean more towards that it is nearly impossible I don't rule it out altogether. Mm-hmm. I do think there is some wisdom in uh, if a man is more known for his repentance and restoration than he is for his fall, that he may be able to meet those criteria that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get the sense that most men are willing to wait till that can be the case. And for me, that's a problem. Um, so I, I kind of had reached a point in my life where even to have been an elder in a church, I thought, Lord, I, I've, 
I've been all over the map on this, and I'm really not sure. And so I'll depend on the church. And so when a church came to me at one point and said, would you consider it? I said, okay. And, um, and then they, the more they prayed about it, they didn't think it was uh, the right timing or right understanding. So it's fine. I'm not upset at all. A year later, they came back and said, hey, we, we think you actually do meet those. And at that point, I, I said no, because I just didn't. I always knew for me that was going to be something that was there and that as an elder, I could see that if even in a counseling situation or something like that, you know, somebody pointed out, well, who are you? To yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, so, you know, in the end for me, it's been, well, you can have ministry primarily with men, mm-hmm. to warn them against being stupid and sinful in this way, and also by pointing them to the Lord Jesus and getting in, them into the scriptures and on their knees. And that's kind of where I've gone mm-hmm. in that. I mean, after this, I'm having a meeting with a young guy, so I can continue doing that with him. got an email from an Argentinian man yesterday in South Florida who's studying for his first Spanish language Bible study that he'll be doing. And he said, man, I just, some studying, I'm just thinking about all the things, uh, you know, of, of you teaching me about study and, and prayer and stuff and like that. And I'm excited yeah, about both of those cases and, and others. And for me, that's, that's it. I'm, I'm not going to be the pastor of a church. Right. I, I, I can't say that's a blanket statement for everybody, but, I think if you've made it, if you've sinned in that heinous of a way, you need to at least be accustomed to you may never get there again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good point is, you know, I think that when, when you said, is he known more for his repentance than his sin? I think that's a really good starting point mm-hmm. for the thought process yeah. um, is how does that person respond you know, because we know in, in sin, my grandpa used to say, I don't care as much as that you fall down, it's which way you're standing when you get back up. That's right. And I think that's that good. that's a good thought process when I come to this and, and how I deal with any any person that's a, that has come for counseling because of sin or whatever. Even in my own life, when I fail, when I fall, it's like, okay, which way am I facing? Yep. Am I running to Jesus or am I running from him? And... uh those times when I've I've said, okay, I may fall, I may fall, I may fall, but I keep looking at Jesus, I keep pressing in. He's still at work in me, mm-hmm. um, and that is something that is that we need to we need to do. And I think that that's a good thought process for when it comes to this, is to not make blanket statements one way or the other, but to say, okay, how is God working? What is going on? And then using Scripture as our authority to filter everything. Right through. So, well, it looks like it's about that time to uh, to throw it to some questions. That was a quick 30 minutes. Was. Uh, that was a quick 30 minutes, but that was good. So if you have any questions for Frank or for myself um, on Facebook, you can throw them in the comments section, um, and we will do our best to to look at those and uh, and to answer them. So we'll take a couple minutes. Um, but And while we're waiting on questions, just to let you guys know, uh, Frank teaches 
a new theology class for us that we just started two weeks ago on Thursday nights at 6.30 at the church. He is walking through uh, Revelation, and uh, not not the book of Revelation, but what Revelation is according to Scripture. Um, and uh, Frank, why don't you give just a minute or two synopsis of the class, kind of the goals of it, so if somebody was interested in showing up on Thursday night, they would know kind of what they're getting into. Okay, great. Yeah, and I will say you can come for one session if you, you don't have to have been through everything, because we're going to be doing this for... Uh, hopefully, Lord willing, for about four years as we go through the different uh, topics of uh, theology. But this semester, we're looking at the theology of Revelation. How does God reveal who He is and what He does? And so that's kind of what we're looking at. Uh, We're right now dealing with His general revelation that goes out to all mankind and um, has a message that He exists and He's powerful. and then we'll get into, for several weeks, the special revelation of how God reveals through the scriptures uh, that Jesus saves. So come be a part of it if you can on Thursdays. Yeah, and I can, I can affirm. I sat in there last uh, Thursday night, and uh, I walked away so encouraged. It was, it, was, it was a blessing to my soul Good. to sit under your teaching and to be able to hear um, just some things that... Uh, there wasn't anything new. Right. There wasn't anything that I went, oh, man, I didn't know that. But it was more, I needed to know that again. I needed to hear it again, that God does reveal himself, that he is magnificent and powerful, that he is glorious, that, you know, and just all of the things about who he is, it was so encouraging to me. Yeah, a couple times, and I'm reading through 2 Peter repeatedly uh, in my uh, time with the Lord, Mm -hmm. and there's a section in there twice, actually, where he says, you know, I know you know these things, brothers. But I'm reminding you. Yeah. And I know my time is short. Uh, and so after I'm gone, I know you'll be able to remember them because I'm reminding you. And so that's kind of my theme even in this class. Yeah. And so if you're, uh, if you're available Thursday night, 630, well, I fully expected us to have at least one question. Uh, Jared must be working. So I've, <laughs> I fully expected him to, uh, to do one. But uh, guys, I want to thank you for, for watching. And again, Thursday nights with Frank at 6.30, Theology Thursdays, a doctrine for the heart and soul. Heart, heart and soul? Heart and mind. Mind and heart. Mind and heart. Man, I almost got heart, it. No, it is heart and mind. You heart and mind. That, I was yeah. right. Hey, yeah, all right. Was... <laughs> <laughs> so you can show up Thursday nights, catch that out, there, sit in on that class. And then if you're here in the, uh, the Burleson Crowley Alvarado area, and you are looking for a church, we would love to have you come and and check it out. We have services at 9 and at 1030 on Sundays, and we are walking through the book of 2 Thessalonians, and God is doing some great stuff in this time. Well, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We will see you in two weeks when we talk church planting with some guys from down in Houston about how God sends out church plants and how God establishes church plants. We're looking forward to it. All right, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.